Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Machler-Young, and I'm glad you're here because it truly takes all of us, including you, to live out God's plan for the church. We'll get into this more with my guest today, Tony Collier. She is a speaker, a host, an author. She's got ministry experience, and you'll get a little taste of what she's been up to in our conversation. But what I love the most about Tony is that Tony is Tony. I've seen her speak and I've hung out with her at conferences, and no matter the context, she is fun, she'll make you laugh, and she'll leave you with hope. Here's my conversation with Tony Collier. I'm like, do we start singing? No. That won't stop. <laughs> Can't sing well, but I love to worship the Lord. I'm louder than the worship leaders. Let me just say that. Are you? Oh, yeah. Is worship great. your favorite part of the Sunday, part of service? 100%. I mean, I'm rushing there. I've got a baby strapped to my side, and I am uh-huh. going in every Sunday. I love it. Um, I love it. Are you, a, I have to take up space. Like, I'm a, I need I'm to in be the on middle the end of the floor. Because I'm going to find myself in an aisle. I'm going to like, what you need to know is that I'm going in. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going in every time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, hey, actually, the first question I want, I give some people some background information about you. But what I need to know first is, are, are you still on threads? Because I don't think I've opened this app since we all got hyped on it at the start. No. And girl, you were wiling out every time I wild. I, on, I was like, it was like, Tony, 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 Tony. <laughs> ah, I know. What's great about threads. Well, let me say this not threads in general. What's great about the inception of threads is it genuinely was like a playground. Like uh-huh. the digital space internet's world opened up a playground for adults and said, there's no rules here. Like just do what you want, which is like what I live on. Like yeah. my counselor always says I'm on a playground in life and I just really am. I'm a Teletubby. I'm bopping around. I also have a ADD. And so my brain goes super, super fast. And I think about things all day long, random things, funny things. And in my, in my former life, I could have 110% been a comedian. Okay. <laughs> Girl, so, you could be now. Listen. Oh my gosh. I could be literally a Christian comedian. I'm I like, would, I would all this like serious you, yeah. stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, truly. And so with all that mixed playgrounds, like the freedom to just be yourself, no one had any expectations of you. And the fact that I'm a comedian, a Christian comedian now. It just was amazing. And every now and again, when I get a little thought, I like pop in there, but it's not fun for me anymore because everybody else is super serious. And so I'm like, well, this is not a playground anymore. It's almost like we went back to the classroom and I was like, yeah, when I started seeing people sell stuff and Uh no guys, this is like being on a college campus and like one of those people come with the big old um, poster boards, like you're all going to hell. Like that's what I feel like happened (laughs) on on the college campus. And I'm like, way to go guys, you know? So yeah. 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 I was there for a while when it was fun, right? Like when it was all fun and we were all playing and then, yeah, it got crazy. And I was like, I got, I have too many playgrounds to manage. And this one just got no fun. So I'm out. I don't want to manage it. I just want to be able to fumble on the playground and get nerdy. mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. It was one more thing. Yeah. So couldn't handle. All right. Well, you, for people that don't follow you yet and y'all should, um, you are bright and bold and full of light and life, but girl in your outfits, like you are my monochromatic queen. 
you've got just these suits and jackets and it's like one day you're all pink and one day you're all green. Where do you get all of this fabulousness from? You know, it's very interesting. I don't even know how I really tumbled into this. First of all, I've always loved color. Like I just, yeah. I mean, Broken Grand still color, my ministry name. I mean, I just love mm -hmm. color so very much. And I think the first time it happened, I was just scrolling on the Instagrams and I came across this blue suit that I just love. I mean, it was like bikini bottom blue, which was like my favorite color for a long time because I used to watch yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I need this suit. And I wore it and people just like, they were like, this is your look. And so I got gassed up enough to now every time I'm anywhere shopping, H&M found a red suit there. Anthropology found a yellow one there. Then this girl DMs me. It's called Shop Classier. And she's a Christian brand. She's all about, you know, dressing classy instead of trashy. Hello, somebody. Mm -hmm. And um, she was like, this is crazy. I'm so glad I found you. I have a suit called the Tony. It's like not named Stop after it. you. I did not know you before. It's this purple lavender. Can I send it to you? <gasps> And I'm like, I've seen girl, send me the whole, all of them, all the colors, uh -huh. all the colors would be great. And I just have been supporting her. She's just a young girl in Houston, like doing her thing. And I just tell everybody about her, but she's shop classier and she's awesome. all the colors, orange, pink, green. It's been really, really cool. Zell. Okay. Well, we're going to link her up. And also I'm going shopping as soon as we link finish this interview. <laughs> all right. So last fun question before we really dive in is yeah. a couple of years ago. I guess a couple of years ago, you were like barely newly pregnant with baby Sammy. It was like oh a secret, God. like nobody knew. And we got to share some meals and we get to sit down and watching you get excited for every single thing that we ordered off the menu brought me so much joy. You don't even know. You don't even know. I am a foodie I through and through. It was not just because of pregnancy. I want you to know that. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. If ministry don't work out, let's just say I get a little buck wild up in here, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's just go back to my old ways. I'm stripping on the pole, whatever. <laughs> if that goes down, which I don't think it will, because I'm super oh. grateful that the Lord has redeemed my life. I'm going to be a food blogger. I'm making a clean, a beeline. I'm going to go get some help and some recovery. And then I'm going food blogger. I okay. just, oh my gosh. I love food. I feel like I'm worshiping unto the Lord. I just... I just love it. So love if you could it. craft your like best meal, what would you order? Like from any places, what do you get? 110% sushi. It's going to be sushi. It's going to be my family's Creoles. They're from Louisiana. My mom's first language is French. All the things I would be, I would have, ooh, I'm excited about this meal right now. Just, I would have a little <laughs> nigiri, a sake nigiri, which is like, you know, a salmon, like a fatty salmon with like truffle oil, like mm -hmm. that kind of signature piece. I would move on over into a good Cajun Creole meal, like crawfish etouffee with some fried catfish and some fried freaking okra. I love fried oh, okra. Yes, I and I would so dip good. it because I'm a sauce girl. I would dip it in ranch. Okay. And then maybe I would top everything off with this. There's a place called Oak Steakhouse and they have the best carrot cake and it doesn't have any nuts in it for like nut allergies. And and I would end off with that, maybe with a caramel latte from my favorite coffee shop, Spiller Park. And that's my meal. Hello, Excellent. Somebody. I love it. Such a range. You ready? Such a range. Because I got Let's a, go. I got Let's go. Let's go. Palette. I got a classy palette. Okay. You do. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, I'm on my way. And then we're just going to make all the stops. 
Okay. We're just going to go. We're going to hit them. I have a good eats list. This is why I know I could do it because I literally have a whole list. I could be ready for you in any state. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. So how do you see God in the bright, bold parts of life? A very overarching question. I love that so much. I think, well, here's what we know to be true. Light only serves its purpose in darkness. Mm -hmm. And there have been so many times in my life where I haven't been mad at God, but I've definitely been like, Ooh, player, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you, uh, you really are letting me get to go through some darkness right here. You know, I've got sexual abuse in my past and trauma and divorce and infidelity. And oh my goodness, the list just goes on. And so it's very difficult to see light in dark situations like I've been through, but when we dive into God's word and I've been all up in the new um, the old Testament in this season, and we see God pursuing darkness with a lightsaber, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we see him chasing after the Israelites. I'm in Ezekiel right now. And I'm just like, gosh, it's been centuries. And these people are literally denouncing God. I could cry right now because I've been an Israelite. Yeah, I've stood in dark places and refused to go towards the light. And knowing that there's a God who not only is coming after me with light, but he's infusing light in me so that I can create color in the world, beautiful things in the world through my crazy behind. Yeah. That's like nuts a little bit. And (laughs) it also gives me the fortitude that I need to say, okay, I've been through some really hard things, going through some really hard things. But if God is willing to choose me, I'm willing to choose whatever he lets me put my hand on. So, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the most humbling things. I think that's what catches me off guard every now and then, you know, in ministry, you can kind of get caught up and stuck in the like church work, you know? But when I sit back and I'm like, wait, you are you want me to represent you? Are like, are you sure? Cause I'm a little, not what people would expect or yeah. actually want <laughs> a pastor, female Ooh. leader, whatever. So it is, it's so humbling, right. To just be like, Oh, you, you actually picked me for this for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. No so your me. ministry is called broken crayons. And as a former kindergarten teacher, I love this so much. Oh, I love that. But tell us about it and how you came up with the name. Yeah. Long story short, I was uh, processing through divorce and um, through a really abusive marriage. And I had a one-year-old little girl and she was coloring. She was almost two. And she had this moment where I gave her like the 64 box of crayons and just was like letting her do her thing. And the truth is like, I did it because I needed a break. I needed to just go in the kitchen and have some alone time, you know? And so I was like, this is going to keep her busy. I come back into the living room and sis has robbed these crayons of their dignity. They are all naked and their clothes is off. I mean, it's just, you know, it's crazy. And, um, and she just was still sitting there coloring and, While I was processing through divorce, I was also processing a transition from a church. I was the youth pastor, and I've been teaching in a lot of schools with an organization called FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And um, I had one more school that I I had to preach at, and I was like, Lord, baby, like, you're going to have to carry this one, my guy, because I am just depleted. Like, I don't have it, but I feel like you're giving me the okay to go and do this last one. And so I'm sitting in my bed after I get my daughter to sleep, and I'm just like, okay, Lord, where the message at, playa? And I'm scrolling on Instagram and I come past this like tan graphic. I still have it to this day. And it says broken crown, still color. And it was kind of like 
a God wink is what I call them. Yeah. To have witnessed my daughter ruin all these crayons, first of all, but then just so (laughs) discontent and just sitting down coloring like nothing has even happened. And it was as if the Lord was saying like, it's not you, Tony. It's never been you. It's my power in you. And I use the scripture, second Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse nine. It's just my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, which is awesome. But it's the rest of the scripture that has really defined this ministry. And it is, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses in order that, so that, some translations say, Christ's power will rest on me. Meaning you can flaunt the power of God and his grace over your life in the midst of everything that you've done but you don't get to have access until you surrender. And I got on that stage, I remember, and just told all my business. (laughs) I was like crying in front of all these middle schoolers. And I know they were just like, this sweet lady is just Uh into herself. But it was the most powerful message I ever preached because I didn't have anything left to give. And I had no more shame because I had seen the bottom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so fast forward, I just kept doing that message. I kept getting asked to do that message. Come do that broken crowns talk, blah, 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 blah. And then my friends were like, maybe take this a little serious. Like you should maybe form a ministry. And there might be something here. Yeah, yeah, there may be a little something here. So we formed a ministry for women. We created courses and devotionals to help women essentially come alongside them in the healing journey. One of the things that we say is that we'll be with you in the valleys, but we won't leave you there. We've never claimed to be experts, but we'll always point you to them. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's because, great. We're, yeah, we're really just like broken women walking with other broken women. You know, I'm getting my yeah. certification now in narrative story trauma care, but never, I'm, I just don't feel that calling to, you know, yeah. get a degree and all the things, but I do feel a calling to women like me who didn't have any resources and would have probably been having sex with everybody doing mm-hmm. drugs if I didn't have a few friends that said, come to this church, look at this care ministry, process through divorce. You should probably get into counseling, look at your community. They're a little toxic. And so I I just feel like other women need that. And that's yeah. what we built it for. Um, and it's been stupid. I, I, <laughs> uh, every day I'm like, are you sure, Jesus? Are you sure? <laughs> Don't let me miss uh-huh. this bit. So it's been really beautiful. That's awesome. What kind of brokenness you talk about, right? Yeah. I mean, you've given some of your background examples. Um, I'm just thinking about our listeners and the wide range of yeah. things. Yeah. So here's what's really exciting. I have never said this publicly in a podcast. Now that I've officially turned the manuscript in, I feel like I can talk about it. I just spent this last, what we in, girl, September, nine yes. months writing a book on essentially brokenness and sin. Okay. And um, it's been very hard because the truth is we all have brokenness of some kind because we live in a broken fallen world. And so if we were to just peel the layers back, brokenness is popping off at your kids, Mm -hmm. yelling, screaming at your husband or wife. It's drinking a little bit too much to numb the pain and anxiety of what you're going through. It's choosing a substance over a savior. It's looking at porn because no one's around and you got your headphones on and you just want to feel good for a second. It's so much because we are not a monolithic generation. We all battle with our own things. And so the enemy comes at us with the thing that we battle with, with our brokenness. He's not going to be like, Ooh, Tony, like, 
I, I'm gonna tempt you with a man. I'm like, baby, I'm not about to be with nobody, man. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, that ain't even what, but you can tempt me with some weed. Right. <laughs> you, you can put me in right. an environment where I get a little woof of it and I gotta go on my knees, right? Yeah. Because that's yeah. been my struggle. And so I think we just have to, I think if we all just had the posture of, I am broken, not because God made me this way, but because the enemy came in and created brokenness in the world. And I have a sin and it will, and because of the enemy, it will attempt to take me out and I need to be on high alert. Yeah. I need to be on high alert. All of us. If we did that, sweet daddy God. Yeah. We would yep. be out here slaying the demons, baby, mm -hmm. because we would always be looking for, where is it at? Where's the temptation? Where's the brokenness? Where's the enemy coming in? Yeah. But we just want to float in life. So, you know. And we would always have the humility, the self-awareness to go, no, I actually am capable of these things. It blows my mind every time somebody yeah. wants to, and listen, I used to be this person, but thank you, Jesus, I'm not anymore. But when they can look at other people and go, how dare they? I would never, I could never. And I just oh want to be gosh. like, why don't you get in whatever they're life story has been their experiences, their background, then you put yourself in the exact same situation that they're in. And you still tell me you would never and blah, blah, blah. And here, but here's the thing. You ain't even got to go too far because Hey, you with your white picket fence and your perfect little life. How many bottles of wine did you have this week? Sure. Right. Uh how many times did you go to the gym for your Pilates class and take your wedding ring off because you wanted some men to notice you because your husband mm. on, on trips for work? Like, come on. Mm. Yeah. Th yeah. This is what we don't talk about. We don't talk we compare. About we compare sins and we go, it's not I, that bad. Well, I listen, didn't do the same wavelength right now because I straight up was about to say, we don't talk yeah. about comparison <laughs> anymore. We don't talk about it anymore because, yeah. and I'm like, no, no, like it's all bad. It's right. all against God. Right. And that's what's so difficult about writing this was so difficult about writing this new book because it's hard to get people to see that prostitution and stripping in the club and twerking all over some boys is has the same weight as your addiction. Yeah. As your temptation. Yeah. As the thing that's taken your marriage out. Yeah. And boy, we just. I don't know what's wrong with us. We've been going to in the comparison trap. That's what mm -hmm. we've been just hanging well, out. Because it leads us to justification of what I'm doing is not that bad because oh, at least I didn't fill in the blank. It's not that bad at all. Well, it's mm -hmm. not even that bad at all. Yeah. You a lot. You a lot. <laughs> so how does, how do you lead people through healing of all of this brokenness, all yeah. of this thing? If they want to get connected with you, like what's the process? What do they do? Yeah. So I, it's really funny because five years ago, I said, I would never write a book. I had all these publishers emailing me, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I ain't doing it. Okay. And who is about to read all these words? Cause I really wasn't a reader like that. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not about to, I'm not about to read these words. And, and I remember one of my mentors saying, Tony, you have a lot in you that the God has graced you with. Yeah. God has graced you through some really dark seasons and you have fortunately come out on the other side of it. And there's people that can't get out. Yeah. And it could be your little book that takes someone on a healing journey that gets them out of their mess. And so that is truly one of the first places I would send people. My first book, Brave Enough to Be Broken, it, the subline tells it all, how to embrace pain and discover healing and hope. And there was a lot of tension around that subtitle with my publishers because they were like, are you going to put pain on the, like embrace 
pain. Like people don't want to do that. I'm like, what else are you going to do with it? Cause pain already need to. Right. Pain is already here. Right. It's already slapping you in the face. It's time to take dominion over it, embrace it, sit in the pain, name what's happened so you can tame what, what has happened. And mm. so this book, Brave Enough to be Broken, like it is literally a roadmap. I was not about writing a book about my life and look at what I've been through. I, I talk about that enough on stages. You can go on YouTube and find that story. Yeah. I wanted to write a book that would literally walk people through my healing journey. And a year before I put the book out, we did a beta test on women all around the world through a course that is lined up just like the book. And it is a roadmap to healing. It's called the hopeful woman course. And so we, we tested it out and then we put it in a book and it is available now. Awesome. First thing Now we want to get into details about it. I I don't mind sharing that too. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. What do you want to say? So one of the things that I put in the book is that it is very difficult to heal in the place and with the people that broke you in the first place. And we talk about this transition because even Jesus had circles, right? Like even Jesus had, you know, Peter and Matthew, like super close. Peter, James, and John really were like his ride or die. Mm -hmm. That's who was in his inner circle. Now his inner, inner circle was just him and the Lord. Okay. And so we talk in the book about transitioning toxic community. One of the things that I talk about in the in the book is that I was at a really toxic church. The church wasn't toxic. The pastor specifically was and still is. And mm-hmm. I was um, transitioning out because it was just really, really sick and demented. I mean, it was there was I, he told me one time that my purpose was connected to him. So if I ever left the <gasps> church, I wouldn't be able to carry on in my ministry. I mean, true, like through my face. A pastor oh, told you this? Oh, 100 percent. hundred like very sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. I remember when I left it, I left a full community, right? Like I had been there. I had kids there. It's all that I knew. Well, I got weak and I was like, I want to go back. And about two months after I left, I went back to a Wednesday night Bible study and no one talked to me. Oh, no one. And they didn't talk to me because the pastor had told them that I left because of me, like it was my fault. And that I was against the church and not to talk to me and all the things he blocked me on all social media. I mean, crazy. And it was devastating. And what's unfortunate is that I put myself in a situation where the wound that I had just covered with a Band-Aid to go heal got reopened and rewounded. And there are some people out there right now that keep going back into the situations that literally broke mm-hmm. them for right mm-hmm. reason. Let me tell you, I've done it. I've done it in a relationship. My counselor says this about me. She said, Tony, your instinct is that you would choose agony over loneliness. You would sit in pain. And, and endure things that you do not deserve because you don't want to be lonely. Mm-hmm. But the truth is you may feel lonely, but you're never alone. Yeah, You're never alone. Not with daddy God. Okay. And so that's one of the things that we talk about. How do you have those conversations? How do you pinpoint toxic community? How do you transition them to different spaces? How do you do it in love and not be popping off and my pastor, this, no one will ever probably know who my pastor was. That was super toxic. Right. Because. Right. I don't want to be the judge. Yeah. I can't wait to see what the Lord do to him. But (laughs) my prayer is that redemption comes, you know, but so, yeah, we talk about those types of things. Okay. That's, that's really good because I think, I think that is a practical that people can go. I mean, listen, that was for somebody, if not somebody's like, I have no doubt. And I think too, I thought the word familiarity popped into my, my brain when you were talking, I'm like people, 
would rather sit in the pain that's familiar because at least they know what to expect. Even if they know it's going to be painful, they know what to expect. They know how to handle it. So they think, and it's better or it feels less scary than the unknown. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I walk through that. Like we, it's called a trauma bond. You form a bond with trauma or with a person that perpetuates trauma and you just get used to chaos. Yeah. And you're like, then normal feels weird. It's like, is life supposed to be this peaceful? Like what is happening right now? It's like, yeah. And you could crave chaos, but Mm -hmm. this is what, what's so interesting about the Holy spirit. And and I love that I'm in the old Testament right now, because when we look at the beginnings of the earth and the way that God and Jesus and the Holy spirit showed up as the triune God, the Holy spirit was found over the darkness, hovering over the chaos. Yeah. Really watching over it, tending it. And if we would allow God to come into the chaos and surrender it to him, he'll do what he's been designed to do to hover. Yeah. And to fix. Oh, that's so good. And to guide. And, um, I've just had to do that so many times. Like, no, 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 no. Like I was made for Eden. I was made yeah. for good. I yeah. should not be enduring yeah. this. And it is very difficult, very yeah. difficult. My heart goes out to victims. Cause it's just, it's like a, it's a severing. Yeah. It's a severing. Even just that image. I'm just like, I want people to just imagine the Holy spirit. I mean, literally just like hovering over them. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's so good. That's such a, I'm going to give that to my girls. Like, listen, yeah. when you go to school, when you're having a hard time, when you're having the anxiety, just Holy Spirit's hovering. Because that's where he's found. Right there. Right. That's where yeah. he's found in the chaos. Yeah. Oh. Mm. So, you, and you have a freebie on your website called Transitioning Toxic Community. I do. So people can go there as well, yeah. as well. Tonyjcollier.com. Yeah. How has God met use in your brokenness and shown you hope? Oh man. I think hope comes through. I think it's Luke six, maybe 38. Don't quote me on that. There's a scripture that says give and it'll be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, running over, you know, man will pour into your, your bosom. And I remember when I was a youth pastor, I used to use that scripture and say, God's not just going to drop a beetle bug right into your lap, right? Like he's not just going to drop a brand new Jeep Wrangler but he will send someone to bless you with it. And that's how hope has been for me. There's just been seasons where I I can't muster it up. Like I just, because hope is really just the belief that things will get better. But when you're in a season, when things aren't getting better for a long time, or you've been through the same thing over and over again, or it's just dark the first time, right? It's very difficult to believe that things can get better. But this is the power of story and surrender and of vulnerability when I see stories, I mean, like if I'm scrolling on the Instagram and I see one of them stories, you know, of like triumph and like someone got into a car wreck and they started walking again, like those things pump hope into you mm-hmm. because if God could do it for them, he could darn sure do it for you. And that's what I want to be. Like, I want to be like a light bearing hope coach that keeps saying, look at what God did. Look at what God did. Look at what God did. I was drunk, high, 16 years old, sleeping with everybody. I got a freaking sex count like nobody's business. I like look and the Lord. And now I'm in Uganda preaching to hundreds of girls about God's hope and redemption and restoration in them. I'm, you know, every month I get to, I don't talk about this a lot, but every month I get to go volunteer at a shelter and it is for battered women. And it is the, I could just, it's the most beautiful Mm. space that I get to be in. 
I can't even describe it to you. I cannot even. I get to go and be hope for them. Not hope in that I'm Jesus, but hope in that the Jesus in me. Right. And it is just, that's how you find it. You got to go be around people who are like, look at what God did. Look at what God did. Not look at what I'm doing. I got my kids are ha ha ha. They're doing this. And we got this. It's like, great. That's awesome. We can celebrate that. Go celebrate that with your people. But for the people that need hope, you need to find people that's going to say I was lost. Yeah. And now I am found. Yeah. Like God did it, you know, yeah. like yeah. that's where the hope comes from, from the yeah. valleys, you know? And I think, I think a lot of times people can get stuck in cynicism. I think it's easy oh, to yeah. do and I don't blame them for it, but I think people sure. can get stuck in the cynicism of the stories sometimes of, like you said, scrolling Instagram and looking at everybody else's and going, well, if God could do it for them, mm. why isn't he doing it for me? But you yeah. made a very good point to go and find the people. Like we can't just, if we're sitting and scrolling, Mm -hmm. then we're going to get cynical because we're going to have only the enemy in our head going, pointing Mm -hmm. out, look what he's doing. He forgot about you. He doesn't care about you. You don't have the value, but we, it's that whole community piece, right? My gosh, community has changed my life. I'm in a group we're going on three years now called a confessional community, which is just as scary as it sounds. Let me just say that <laughs> because all our business is out. Okay. Yeah. All of it. And, um, what's beautiful about it is like, this is so interesting. I get prayer requests all the time. Would you pray for me, Tony? Would you pray for me sure, Tony? Sure. from strangers? I'm like, yeah, sure. Prayer is universal. Got it. But I always say, I'll say a quick prayer for you. You need to go find somebody that can be a part of your life, that can know your story, that can pray for you. Because I'm telling you, it's watered down over here. I don't know you. I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know what the Lord has done in your life. I'm not about to follow up with you because if I'm answering all the Instagram DMs, I can't talk to my kids. You know, right. I'm my time. <laughs> right. You know? So it's like, go find your people. My friend Jenny says this all the time, like find your freaking people because yeah. we just talked about this on TBN. We did a whole series on friendship and- First of all, God's designed us for friendship, but also like, these are the people that will come for you. That will be, as my friend, Ann says, Jesus with skin on, mm-hmm. like you don't need, I mean, it's like Instagram friends are great. I got all kind of Instagram friends. I'm like, Hey y'all. But when I'm going through something, yeah. I need my people that live seven minutes away to come on down. I need my, I, I, I need, I need tangible withness. Yeah. And you just don't get that from scrolling. You don't yeah. get that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, real quick, I want to make sure we talk about broken crayons, still color. So you were bringing all this healing to women and it was so successful. And so now it's a kid's book, which I oh, love so much. It and is. Dylan, oh my gosh. It's all up in it. Your daughter. It's, yeah. It's just crazy, man. I truly... I genuinely get shocked every day that the Lord is like, and we're going to do this now and we're going to do this. And I'm like, okay. When I got approached about doing a kid's book, um, gosh, we were in such a hard season with my daughter. My daughter has seen a lot. She's walked through divorce with me rebuilding. She lived in an apartment with me that she probably don't even remember, but it was a two bedroom. It's all I could afford, but I couldn't even afford it. So then I had to get a roommate that had the master bedroom and my daughter had this little bedroom and then I slept on the couch. Um, and which she just didn't, you know, and, yeah. and 
all the trauma that she went through, I mean, there's just her, she has her own challenges, you know, and, um, some of them inflicted, some of them just diagnosed, you know? And, um, so when they asked me about a kid's book, I was just like, we are in a tough transition right now. We were talking through keeping her in school or because school is just really hard for her, that environment, all the sensory stuff, um, or keeping her home. And we made the decision to do a cyber Academy at home. And it was truly the best year of her life. And that's when I felt the release from God to write this book because I realized that for the, at the time, seven years of her life, we had really done everything that we could. We, we are, we're not the parents that just sat back and went, well, you're having some issues. The teachers can deal with that. Like, that's not, that's not the moment she got. Okay. I was meeting with, you know, child psychologists, therapists, behavioral therapists, psychiatrist, like learning these techniques to help my daughter cope with her big feelings. And I just, you know, got that nudge from God that he's like, I can just walk you through that for you and your daughter, Dylan, like you, this is for other people and parents. I mean, so many parents, I can't tell you how many DMS I didn't got. Oh my gosh, my kid has big feelings. Oh my goodness. My kid has big feelings. This is so helpful. This is so resourceful. All the things but even more than that, a generation whose suicide rates, I had a, I did a podcast interview with Sissy Goff and we have an event coming up together. These children are suffering yeah. and they're suffering sooner than we were. They are suffering oh, yeah. Yeah. and they are taking their lives mm-hmm. and they are contemplating so many really hard things. And if we don't get on the offense and not the defense about it, like we're going to lose a whole generation. Yeah. And so that's what this book was for. It's to help parents and caregivers and grandmamas and aunties help yeah. their kids process through big feelings and be reminded that God still turns messes into masterpieces. Yeah. And I'm hoping that through this, this illustration of crayons that any time a child who has read this book or had this book being read to them picks up a crayon breaks it on accident, remembers Mm. that God can still create beauty from broken things. Yeah. That's my prayer. And the freaking New York times, whatever they're called times square has my book on a billboard right now. And I'm like, I just got the news yesterday and I posted about it and I'm like, what? But it's because the prayers of the righteous availeth much. And I prayed for the Lord to get this book in as many kids' hands as possible, mm. not for my glory, but his, for the redemption of a generation. And it's happening. And I am very shocked as usual and, <laughs> and very grateful. Yeah. That's so, exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know all kids are different, but were yeah. there particular things you were seeing in Dylan, or do you think there are particular signs that parents yeah. can look for in their own kids of like, Hey, maybe there's some trauma here that I'm unaware of. Yeah. Um. So we, Dylan's behavioral challenges started when she was three. And of course we thought it was like terrible twos, three triumphant threes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. terrific three. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were just like, Oh, this is normal. When it didn't stop and it escalated, we took her to testing when she was four. And truthfully now at this point, this is going to be a big statement. I think, I think almost every parent, should go and just, just like we do physicals for our kids. I think it'd be pretty normal to go and take your kids for any type of testing against autism, ADHD, general anxiety, sensory processing. Because let me tell you this, my nine-year-old is thriving right now because we were on the offense. We caught it 
early. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it's been hell. Yeah, and we've gotten kicked out of schools, preschool. I mean, it has been really horrific. Yeah. But the way that I've been able to extend patience and grace, because I know that some of these things she cannot control. Yeah. I wouldn't have. Girl, I'd have just been yeah. treating her, you bad. You out yep. here, you, you bad, you disobedient. Yep. And that just wasn't true. And I just can only think about the adults who grew up with a, with a real challenge, a behavioral challenge, a special need. And they were labeled as bad and difficult. And they didn't get the help that they needed because no one was aware. Ignorance yeah. is destructive. Yeah. And so we got to go get in front of it. And I would say, they say that four is the earliest that you should even be looking for it. Two, three, we know it's going to get a little unruly. Their frontal yeah. cortex is just, they're just not developed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're licking, yeah. we're licking elbows and we're eating grass guys. Okay. Right. <laughs> we can't process our feelings. Right. But at four or five ages, when, you know, you really should start paying attention to some of those behaviors. Man, can you imagine, wouldn't it be amazing if healthcare, whatever we had physical, like yes, yearly doctor you physical mean, checkups and also mental. Canada? Can no. you? <laughs> oh. All right. Well, one last question for you, Tony, because the podcast is called Becoming Church. How can okay. people listening become the church to the people around them, even as they're looking for hope in the midst of their own hurts? Yeah. I talk about this all the time. The church in my personal opinion, is supposed to be the safest house on the block, right? Like, it's like the Mr. Rogers of the spiritual world, like stop on by, you know, and get fed spiritually, get fed physically, mm -hmm. you know, materialistically. And it's God's plan A. Like the yeah. church is God's plan A. He did not just, he could have just entrusted us humans to just kind of form whatever we needed to form, but in Acts, he specifically helped to organize this play, this safest house. Yeah. And it even says in Acts, you know, that all their needs were met. They came and they voiced their needs and all of all the whole freaking community's needs were met. And then it goes back to Luke and it says, give, and it'll be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Man will pour into your bosom. The church only works with God's people. Yeah. And it is destroyed by God's people as well. Yeah. And so I think in order for us to be the church, I think one, we have to be holy, which means that we have to be pursuing Jesus with everything in us, asking the Holy Spirit through humility to check us and the things that we need to fix. I also think that in order to be the church, we have to be healthy because we've all seen yes. Amen. the people that can spit off every scripture but it's just mean. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's just talk and toxic mm -hmm. and abusive. And it's not enough to know the word it's, you got to know God and you got to strive to be and look like him and act like him too. And so I think we start to do that when we become, when we become the most healthy versions of ourselves. I mean, think about Galatians five 22. I think, um, think about like the fruit of the spirit, like patience, baby, anxiety does not produce patience. Yeah. <laughs> and so, right. It, it produces rush and control. And so we have to go and get our anxiety under control to look more like Jesus in our patience. Mm -hmm. When we talk about self-control, not 
screaming at your kids, popping off when you're upset, angry, not being verbally abusive. Those are some things that you got to process mentally and emotionally so that you can look more like God. Yeah. So we have to be holy. We got to be pursuing healing and wholeness. And we got to be pursuing God for our individual selves. The church becomes a church on Sunday when the church's people are who they need to be Monday through Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I love it. I, and I love the whole, we have done, we have covered wholeness completely. We've we talked psychology, mental, emotional, physical, and it really does take all of that, right? That is what wholeness in Christ is. Yeah. And there you go, guys. And there you go. If you're not already following Tony, make sure that you do. We'll link up everything that she mentioned. So go ahead and just scroll down below for all of that. Also, this podcast is a ministry of Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. We recently went through a series called Everyday People, where we expanded further on the topics that Tony and I touched on today. If you want to know more about why community matters, how to find it, or what love lived out actually looks like, you can listen to those messages linked below. You can also check out our resources page for all the areas we covered, spirituality, mental health, parenting, and more at mosaicchurch.tv. Until next time, keep becoming church to the people around you.